You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast with your host, Brett Matthijs. Everybody, welcome to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour Podcast. Today I'm joined by someone who I agree with a lot of things on, except she cheers for the wrong football team, which that's beside the point. She cheers for the wrong football team. Got to cheer for the Vikes. She cheers for the Packers. But other than that, she's great. I would say the most educated marketing professional in South Dakota. Maybe the tri-state area, three marketing degrees, correct? Wow, I'm hearing some sucking up going on over very, there. Very much so, very <laughs> much so. Um, but here, I mean, my first topic of conversation, I guess, would be, I guess I should introduce you first. I'm with Don Claymore, the boss, the owner, CEO, president of Midwest Marketing. Uh, so welcome, Don. Thank you, Brett. My first thing is a question that I get asked that I don't know how to answer when someone, I'm at Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, and someone goes, oh, you're in marketing or you're in advertising. What do you do? How do you explain to people what we actually do? You get asked that question all the time and you will continue Constantly. to. And I think the answer is because we do anything and everything. Um, the difference with marketing compared to most jobs is it never quits and there's no boundaries. So it's not like you unlock the door at eight in the morning and you uh, lock the door back up at five. Marketing is a never-ending thing. Um, the other thing that happens a lot with marketing is what what doesn't fit in a box in someone else's job description always winds up in the marketing department. Absolutely. So you wind up doing a little bit of everything and anything. Yeah, that was my thing. I have an uncle. His name's Roger. Super duper smart guy. And I never knew exactly what he did. I was like, oh, he worked on printers. And then I asked him what he did. And he's like, oh, it's really confusing. And it's too long to explain exactly all the aspects of my job. I was like, sometimes I feel like that with marketing because you said it's outside of a box of job description, which Absolutely. can be a thing that is very difficult to, difficult to explain. And then you try to get into it and then you end up rambling on for 30 minutes and the person is completely lost. And some people think marketing and advertising are different things. Some people think marketing and advertising are the same. Exactly. It's yeah, you yeah. can go anywhere with it. Yeah. So as far as marketing goes, I'm recently newly out of college i'm gonna ride that title for as long as i can <laughs> and marketing right now is hot like a very hot major everyone who is somebody seems like they're going into marketing is that always been the case or has it been ups and downs where you see a increased interest in marketing or how does that like the flow work that you've noticed I think that's new. I think that's new with the evolution of what we've seen happen with the development of the internet. Um, I think the beginning of that and marketing becoming hot um, would be about the same time, which is about 20 years ago. Absolutely. Social media has kind of peaked interest because that a lot of people are probably thinking that's going to be a huge part of their job. And they're like, I love going on Twitter and right. Instagram and, and whatever. Right. And that's only one piece of the puzzle. Um, when I went to college a million trillion years ago, um, psychology was the hot button really? back that then. That was the big one. Mm -hmm. And marketing really was thought of, I don't think people thought of marketing other than anything than retail marketing. Oh, so yeah. everything in the marketing side of things that I went through in college was very traditional JCPenney, Herberger, retail store marketing based. Okay. And how does that differ retail to what we're doing now for people that may not know like the evolution of retail marketing now to a lot of digital marketing? How is that different? I don't think back then people thought of marketing to 
like B2B, business to business versus business to consumer walking in your door. Oh, um, absolutely. Where now your consumer is doing all of their research online before they ever walk in your door. So now the mind shift has changed to how are you going to market to them successfully to get them to even walk in your door? Because when they walk in your door now, they're typically going to purchase. Oh, absolutely. They're going in with the mindset of, I already know what I want. I've done the research. I've looked at the reviews online, which are a huge, huge deal now. And they're coming in to buy instead of coming in to shop. Exactly. Um, Take the automobile business for one. You know, just 10 years ago, people were shopping an average of 10 and a half dealerships. And now it's one and a half dealerships. Oh, really? So when someone's walking in your door, they've already made the decision that they want to purchase from you. It's just a matter of you not screwing it up. Exactly. And that's just a huge thing to maintain a personality online that is conducive of what you would be like at work even though like you said 24 7 you have to put on a face that isn't going out and doing all sorts of stupid stuff online it's always business all the time absolutely and then trying to get the 300 people that work for you not to taint your reputation and jump on board at the same time yeah absolutely all right so a lot of kids when they grow up i knew when i grew up i wanted to be like a wildlife, something, you know, fancy. A lot of kids like to be astronauts or firemen or nurses. Were you always like, I want to own a marketing firm? Or did that come along later in the process? Did you fall in love with it later? Or how did that kind of come to be? No, I was always, I am going to be the best criminal lawyer in the entire United States. Yes. You couldn't have told me any different. I was going to be a criminal lawyer and I was going to help the underdogs who were getting screwed and... Couldn't have told me any different, but I got into college and about my second or third poli sci class and bored out of my skull, um, decided that wasn't for me and happened to be taking some form of marketing class at the same time. And that's when I made that shift. Okay. So yeah. So it lasted all the way that your criminal law lasted all the way into college before you figured out like, maybe this isn't the route that I want to go. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that, especially as parents, that we shouldn't make our kids lock into a box when they're 18 years old of what they're going to do. I think it does take the first year or two to really dial into um, what it is you may like. And it may be as simple as you like the teacher. So then you follow and think that's what you like for the class. Absolutely. I actually had a very parallel situation and you see it a lot nowadays with kids in sports where they're specializing one sport and then they get to where they don't like that sport anymore. And then they're, they don't have a backup plan. They can't be playing basketball and then go play baseball because they've never played baseball. But uh, yeah, in high school, I loved biology because I had a great, great, great biology teacher. She was amazing. Um, then got into college, took a biology class and went, oof, this is not, not my speed at all. So it was kind of written into marketing. I had some family in marketing and that's how we ended up here. Isn't that interesting? Exactly. So during your college process, when you were going through the marketing classes, was your end goal when you decide like marketing is the direction I want to go was it like agency 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 or was it more I want to work within a business or how did you see yourself back then going into the marketing world so back then this is you'll be surprised on this but my I saw myself in food marketing and the reason being is my first job at 13 was scooping ice cream cones outside of a grocery store oh really yeah yeah (laughs) And anyway, by the time I got in college, I'd worked my way up where I was um, in customer service and I was also doing the advertising. So when the new prices came out in the newspaper back then on Sunday, 
I was the person in the store changing all the prices in the entire store to reflect what people were going to see in the newspaper that day. Okay. Um, I actually competed in college in a few food marketing competitions. and They have those. I, they did back really? then. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I won the state of Wisconsin back then. and They have like a state tournament? Yeah, for and then a, a national comp- competition really? as well. Yep. Interesting. You learn something new. There you? you go. So back then I would have thought I was going into the food business. Okay, and more grocery store oriented or like a restaurant chain or was... There... More, more grocery store oriented because okay. I think that... In my mind, because that was a field I had worked in for seven years at the time. Absolutely. So then as the process went along, was there like one moment in any job that you had where it was like, now it's time I want to do this? You know, I think it's a similar situation of what you just went through in the past year where, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was going to get job offers from everyone under the planet because I just won a state competition and I placed in the top 10 in the nation or whatever that may be. And... I quickly uh, had a rude awakening as I was mailing, physically mailing. You don't have to do that anymore. No, I I did the electronic. Yeah, I was physically mailing about 20 resumes a week and my phone was not ringing. Yeah. And so that was an interesting um, awakening. And then just out of a weird situation, I was at at a Halloween party with a girlfriend of mine who worked at a local newspaper and I was sharing with her my struggle on not getting calls on jobs. And she said, oh, we have a position open. And it was an internal posting. They had not posted it out to the public. Yep. And so because of that, I did send a resume in and that's where I got my first job. Yeah, it's the job market. And it's always been this way. Everyone's like, oh, job market's real tough right now. It's like, it's always difficult to find a job, especially college kids coming out of college with little or minimal experience, maybe one internship or two internships under their belt. And it's just kind of who you know and oh, it just fell into your lap. I know when I was applying for jobs, I applied for so many jobs. It just hurts me to even think about it. Uh, but yeah, I just applied and applied and applied. And I was like, oh, this is a great job. I bet I'll get an interview here. Never. I got like three automated emails back. And then, like I said, uh, fell into the kind of, oh, yeah, here we have a job and we'd like to hire you. And it's just kind of perfect timing, perfect storm. Yeah, it it is. I don't think, and you know, unemployment's so low right now too. So Absolutely, you're which competing. is great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, for people who don't know, give us the rundown of your professional career up until the point where you took over and started Midwest Marketing. Sure. Um, well, I shared with you, I started in the grocery business, and then from there went in the newspaper business. I worked for a newspaper in Wisconsin, and then I worked for a newspaper in Minnesota. Uh, I had a choice for my next move between Decatur, Illinois, or Rapid City, South Dakota. What was the deciding factor between Illinois and South Dakota? uh, Hills instead of cornfields. I agree. I agree. That's a a good deciding factor. (laughs) Knew no one in either place. It was that simple. So I moved to Rapid City um, in 94 and was going to have a short stint here before I took my next corporate climb. Um, Back in those days at the newspaper, I was working pretty exclusively with real estate, home builders, and automobile dealers. And in 98, uh, a local automotive group who had been with an advertising agency for about 20 years out of Iowa decided to part ways with them and offered me um, a position to come work for them and be their internal advertising agency. Oh, absolutely. 
Then from there, shortly, um, I spent about another seven years there. I seem to be a seven-year girl. It's very interesting how that happens, the timelines. I know my mom is every nine years, she'll get a different position. It's like, just like clockwork. It's like nine years, and I think we're at eight years or something like that right now. So it's like, we're about to get a new position. That's funny. clockwork. Which is so strange, because our, I mean, my parents, um, they worked the same job for their whole entire life. You just didn't switch jobs back then. Um, Which do this, you think that maybe has to do with me and John Sassy, the video director at our office, were talking about the increasing popularity of giving new job titles as almost just you're not getting a promotion, but you're getting a new job title and making things sound fancier than they possibly are. Do you think that's kind of a offset of that, that we're just getting new positions, but maybe doing different or the same thing? Or is it a whole in general, people are just switching jobs more? I think it's a little bit of both. I I think the millennials think they want to start at the top instead of really realizing that they need to start at the bottom and work their way up. And there's and there's something um, really satisfying with that in your life when you can look back and say, you know, I used to make I used to flip hamburgers like everyone else or Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, put the paper together like everyone else. And um, I think you have to go through that progression in life where I think. People are throwing titles at that generation, thinking that they'll stay longer because they yep. are known to be job hoppers. And and I'm talking in a year or two years instead of putting in eight years or nine exactly. years like your mom. Yep. Um, so I don't know if those titles get thrown around in hopes that they will think that they're more important to a company than than it's they kind of think a, they a are. False sense of superiority within a company. Yeah. You hear a lot of millennials when they leave say that they felt like they didn't make a difference or weren't making a difference or didn't have a say, um, which I don't think is the case. I think that's probably more their perception than yep. most. Yeah. Um, but I bet that the throwing of job titles around has something to do with that. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Well, I interrupted your story, so I'll let you get back to. Oh where no. You're going. Um. Yeah, no, I always I had I did always want to open up my own business. And um in the early 2000s, um my husband got a promotion and so that afforded me the ability to be able to do that. And at that point in 2000 March of 2005, I opened up what was called the marketing store, which was completely baffling to me. I had no idea that was going on and then I was digging through last summer during my internship digging through our backup. And I was like, what is the marketing store? Like, who is this client? We had, and it turned out to be us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was way ahead of my time on my concept. So my concept was I didn't want to have any employees. So I opened up this umbrella company and then had one um, independent designer, one independent web person, and then myself as the sales side of things. And the concept was kind of like a co-op that I'll do the sales for your clients. I'll give you my clients' websites, design, et cetera, and we'll all collectively work together. Um, it was a great concept. It just wound up that one person was carrying uh, 80% of the load, yeah. and that happened to be me. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you were ahead of your time with your concept, which is typically the opposite. People need to catch up to the times. You had to actually take a step back because you were ahead of what people were doing at that time. Exactly. Because if you look now, like even we have someone in our office who's, you know, working remotely the majority of the time. And so that's kind of what's happening, you know, now 15 years later, but 15 years before, apparently I was a little too early for that concept. Exactly. 
Yeah. So then when did the marketing store divulge into Midwest marketing as we know it today? Yeah. So shortly after, I, I think only about a year was when the co-op broke up and then I started hiring employees, which was still under the marketing store. Um, the reason why the name changed was because there is a huge corporation called the marketing store in oh, really? Australia that owned the name internationally. So oh, okay. they requested me to change the name. Yeah. And so I obviously Well, that obliged. was very nice of you. Yes. So in all the years, because now since 2005 to 2019, you've been working with a variety of different clients and different businesses all over. Um, that's one of the great things. I know when you said, offered me the job, you said, you'll never do the same thing two days in a row. It'll never happen because we have so many different varieties of clients and different business atmospheres. And so throughout that whole time, what has been, and I'm not asking you to throw anyone under the bus, what's been the most difficult business to try and market? Wow. Um, I wouldn't say business. I would say time. Okay. Yeah. More. Um, so like in 2008 and 2009, when we went through a recession, that was a, a very interesting time to go through with any business because obviously they needed to pull back on their marketing which, oh, because their sales were going to go down. So it was figuring out that ratio. Um, but at the same time, trying to encourage that people don't stop marketing either. Um, I wound up working with the mayor of at the time and getting, I think I got 20 business leaders and the media to rally around. And we actually created a, a three-month campaign called Rapid City is Strong, and we raised about $300,000. And the whole message was, um, and I still think we're guilty of this today, but back then we were all falling into the sky is falling. and But when you really looked around at our economy, you know, we weren't going through the big upswings like New York and California were. Um, we were just doing little little ticks. So, you know, our sales tax was still good. Our houses were still selling. Our, our economy was actually pretty stable during yeah. that time. But because we all were watching what was going on in the news, we were all acting like the world was falling. Exactly. Yeah. And so we did an awareness campaign trying to bring out the stats of why we were bucking the system. Right. Be like, hey, we're a little more consistent than California and New York here in South right. Dakota. And that's why I named Midwest Marketing Midwest Marketing, because the Midwest operates differently than different than the coast do. I mean, we just do. Which it's, that always threw me off, too, because I'm from Minnesota, which is I would consider the Midwest and I would consider Rapid City the West. I'm and from Wisconsin, and exactly. I would have thought the same yeah. thing. But I mean, you talk to people from South Dakota; it's not they don't view it as that way. They view it as we're the Midwest. The whole state is the Midwest. And then once you hit Wyoming, Colorado, then you're in the West. Yep, I think once you hit Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, you're that's West. Absolutely. Yep. All right, I got. But I'm with you on that. Yes, I have a killer segue here, but I need you to set me up. You gotta go. Speaking of things that are really difficult. Oh, speaking of things that are really difficult. One thing that's very difficult for me, Don, is sitting around on a beach or sitting around anywhere for an extended period of time. But you and your family are very frequent vacationers in Mexico, where I'm to understand that that is a majority of the vacation. So now I'm going to do. Have you ever seen the movie The Wolf of Wall Street? Yes, I sure you, have. You know that part. In Just the movie? watched it this weekend, yeah, actually. That part in the movie where he goes, sell me this pen. Yep. Sell me on a Mexican vacation. OK, Sund. 
Sun Sand Cerveza Sold. All right. I like it. Simple. Good pitch. Good pitch. But So if I go on a Mexican vacation, because I wouldn't be able to sit there for a week, there's just no way, no way that I'd be able to do it. Is there things that other like you can do? Can you get outside of? I mean, when people view Mexican vacation, they're thinking resort, all inclusive, sit on the beach, hang out, have a good time. Is there activities you can do? Can you go find a zip line or or other things like that that maybe people wouldn't know about? I don't sit still either. I'll tell you that. So um, Mexican vacation for us is typically we default to Mexico because it's easy to get to. So because both my husband and I own jobs um, and we're pretty high test, that little four or five day break just gives you a refocus. So typically when we go, it's just a Wednesday to a Sunday. And that's why we default to Mexico because we can be there by noon. But you'll find we never go the same place twice. We've never stayed at the same resort twice. Oh, really? Nope. We're always doing some activity. We just got back from Puerto Vallarta where we did a sip and cycle. Um, you got Is on that one of those motorcycle. things? Motorcycle. Okay. No, I mean, you got on, I'm sorry, you got on mountain bikes and you went through Puerto Vallarta and basically stopped at like eight different places where you t- tried their local cuisine, like whether okay. it be tacos or their local um some type of drink that they make up in the mountains that they believe is healing and yeah so, for sure so we're not very good at sitting either yeah, which that's the thing about mexico that you don't get with me i like to take mountain vacations go to montana or wyoming yellowstone all that good stuff um you don't get the cultural aspect you do a little bit but it's almost a fabricated culture where they're like trying to bring back the mountain man era way back then and try to emulate things that aren't there anymore where mexican it is truly a different culture and you get to experience their beliefs and how they go about day-to-day life which is just very very different than we do but again depending on where you go you know if you go to the bigger areas you're gonna feel like you're in america i mean it's very um kind of like what you're saying if you're in the mountains of montana and you're in a, a big town versus you're in really the mountains in a little Yes. area where some guy lives in a shack and has lived there for 40 years, you have a different experience. Yeah. And yeah, that's the middle what you... of Bozeman is probably very different than the <laughs> middle of Bear Lodge National Forest. Exactly. Yeah. Just like the middle of Cabo San Lucas, which is now 70% American, is very different than when you're in Zihuatanejo. Oh, I'm sure. I'm so. sure. so you touched on it a little bit too, saying that you and your husband both own businesses in that Mexico, is that a thing where you kind of just can shut the phone off? And that's why it's so appealing. You can shut the phone off and be like, we're here and we're going to have fun and relax. And we're not going to worry about that for just a little bit. You know, 20 or so years ago when we started, it was definitely that because phones didn't work. We're, you know, unfortunately, phones now do work. Yes, on the international <laughs> yeah. scale. We're, we're better at it. But I think our big, we usually do one vacation in um the spring that will consist of seven days at the most we've ever taken is 10. But that would be the vacation that I would say that's when we go more Caribbean or maybe Europe. And that would be the shutdown where I actually feel like I can relax yeah, a little bit sure. um, where Mexico's more of a reboot. Like, okay. oh, OK, that was a I needed yeah, to, re- a way to reboot. It. Yep. Um, so Europe, I didn't know you guys went to Europe. I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite because I'm sure that's really difficult. But what has been like a really good spot in Europe that you've been to? 
Um, Switzerland's beautiful. The like the mountains and, mm-hmm. and the Swiss Alps. I have to pick Italy because I'm half Italian. So, oh, okay. and my grandparents actually came over from Italy. Oh, so very cool, very cool. That would be my choice so awesome. far. Well, that sounds good. We're gonna take a little break, and we'll be back. And we're gonna talk about Don's favorite musical tastes. Perfect. Hey guys and gals, it's Brett Matice, the host of the Midwest Marketing Podcast. I need you to do me a favor really, really quick. I promise you it won't take long. However you're listening to this here podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, maybe you're just on our website, whatever it is, go give us a five-star rating. See those stars? There's going to be five of them. Just go to the one furthest on the right-hand side, click that one. Maybe write a few quick nice words about us. Unless you don't like us very much, then don't write anything at all. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Let's get back to listening. All right, Don. So when you're sitting on the beach in Mexico, relaxing, when you have your Apple earphones in or your Bose earphones or whatever brand you're loyal to, who's what music's in your ears? With what are you listening to? You're gonna be surprised, but it's actually actually I'm listening to Mexican music. Oh, okay. Just I, really in you're full into the Mexican vacation. If then. you're, yep, I'm there to soak up the culture and so why would i buck the system exactly would you say that is like a, a thing that a lot of people do is they go all out and they really want to experience it it's like kind of a place in time and that's why they're listening to it probably not i um actually one of the run lists i have on my ipad is just simply mexican music that when i'm down there when i run the beach that's what i really? i listen to so like uh, most of the resorts have american music on they don't oh, really? they don't play their own music no nope. huh. interesting yeah. um so you're uh, Mexican music playlist is that like a reggae band not reggae reggae is not Mexican is it that's, reggae is Caribbean yeah that's yeah. Caribbean but is it like stuff similar to that with um, not to stereotype a sombrero yeah no. mustache playing instruments no guys? it's almost some of it's almost like Mexican rap a little oh, bit really? yeah, oh really oh my yeah. goodness I'll let you listen to it alright yeah I'll need to look at, look it up um, but me and Don we very much so disagree on the music we enjoy um but if you go on our website, you'll find um, we have little about us sections. You'll see. And I was really interested to find this out about Don, that her dad was actually a musician and played in a band. And you were named after the name of the band. I was. That's really cool. What kind of music did they play? They played R&B, rhythm and blues. Really? Yes. Which Based was out of very Wisconsin. unusual at that time. Um, back in those days, rhythm and blues was just B.B. King, Lou Rawls, and my dad fell in love with the music. And so he was one of the the few, I guess I would say, white guys back in that yeah. era um, singing the blues. Yeah, that's very He was the lead singer, He was the lead, lead singer, yeah. Did he play any instruments? Harmonica. He was a really, that's awesome. really good harmonica yeah, that's player. That's very cool. That's... And where the name came from, my dad's name was Don. D-O-N? Correct. Okay. And my mother is from New Jersey. And when my dad went back to meet my mom's family, when my when my East Coast family would, would say Don, to him it sounded like Dawn. Oh, yeah. And when they say Dawn, growing up, it's two syllables. It's Dwan. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, he named his band Dawn in the Nights, and he was Don, Dawn. Yep. And then when I was born, then came Dawn, oh, or Dwan. Cool. Would you say that your dad's band shaped kind of the music you listen to now? I'm definitely a 60s, 70s, maybe early 80s rock and yeah. R&B girl for yeah, sure. Absolutely, it's amazing how uh, that influence on at a young age. I know my dad when I was younger, I was like, "What are you listening to?" And that's like now I realize, in my opinion, that he has a great taste in music, and he knows all these guys that are now my country music heroes. 
But it's like back then I was like, what? Who is this? Like, why are you doing that? Well, and I think back then, too, they were nothing but musicians. They didn't. It wasn't about the show or the act where now you go to a concert. It's more about the light show, um, what effects it has, yes. the re-vibration of sound of their voices. Where back then it was simply five guys with a couple of guitars and a drum kit on stage. And that was it. That was their show. They maybe had a speaker or two. Yep. Which was great. They would travel around. I'm very familiar with country music. So I know that Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson, they would travel around at the beginning of their careers in the sixties and seventies. And they would play with bands from the town. They wouldn't carry their own band with them and they wouldn't carry their own lights. They wouldn't, it was like, I'm just going to get up and sing. Because it's a lot of work to haul it's around all that equipment. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Now you see shows rolling in with six, seven, eight semis yeah. full of gear. It's yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I mean, we just had the Luke Bryan show, and I think we had 13 trucks. Yeah. So. It's crazy, which they do put on a great show, right. and it is a ton of fun. But it's, at some point, it's almost refreshing to get back and just hear someone stand up there with a guitar or a guitar and a drum or something and just music. Um, one of my favorite concerts I went to about eight years ago was Elton John played just him and his piano um, at the Civic Center. And it was I had seen him previously with his band, but something was stripping down to just a, a, a singer and their instrument is just yes. It's just amazing. authentic. It's mm-hmm. very, very authentic. And you can feel the songs, especially really good songwriters like elton john or yep. or some of the great songwriters. yes absolutely and when they just get up there with just their guitar and chris stapleton he only plays with he plays his lead guitar and then he has a, a bass player a drummer and then his wife is his yep. back so that's all he plays with yep and he'll even send them backstage and he'll just get up there with an acoustic guitar and you can feel just the raw emotion of that songwriting one of my favorite concerts i just went to in nashville a couple of months ago oh he's so. amazing mm-hmm. i saw him right before he went big <sighmm> Skyrocketed. Yeah, I used to open for Eric Church. Yeah, and he's amazing. I just saw Eric Church at the Buffalo Chip oh, uh, for the first time, which he he's a showman. That's right. He puts on a, a really good show. But yeah, that's it's just amazing. Way back when it's like, oh, now I like that music because of which is kind yep. of the same thing with your sports teams or whatever. It's like which people drive me nuts if their dad's a Dallas Cowboys fan. Or then they are one. Yeah, yeah, which is bad. We need to stop the Dallas Cowboy fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, my sister and I used to, my next youngest sister and I used to make up little dance routines to my dad's music oh, yeah. when we were, you know, four and five. For sure. Did he come out with records and, and stuff like he that? Had he had some originals back then. Yep. Very cool. Um, to take a shift back to marketing here, um, to be a musician, like we said, you got to be a showman, especially nowadays. Is there a person, like a personality trait that if you're interviewing someone, you're like, that person has that and I like that and they're going to be good at what they're doing. You know, I've always said I'll hire a person based on attitude over aptitude any day. Um, I think that you can take a person who is positive and teach them what they need to be taught and if they're willing to learn. Absolutely. Where if you have a person who's glass half empty, it's not going to matter what you do. You're only going to get that attitude. So... Interesting enough, I, you know, everyone here does have college degrees, which is great. And I think that's a good basis to have. Absolutely. But it really comes down to how how do you look at life? Are you a positive person? Do you take the initiative to help others? Um, do you take the initiative to do your job above and beyond what is required of you? Those types of things. Yeah. And I, 
I don't want to say you're singularly out there with that mindset, but it seems like, especially in larger companies, even of companies of 50 or more people, when they throw a job opening up, it's they get hundreds and hundreds of resumes. So then they don't even get to that point to talk to a person. They got to look at the resumes, try to figure out and then go from there, which makes things difficult because you have a bunch of people saying, if I could just get an interview, I could show them my personality and that I would be good for this job, even if I'm not the most qualified. So true. You know, you hear of the guy who delivered his resume in a pizza box. He showed up like a pizza salesman because he um, but it and it is sad that we don't get that those opportunities. And I think that's one of the advantages of owning a smaller company. Because I I am able to do that first round of interviews and pick out a few. And then sometimes I'll even let the staff do a second round of interviews. Because also how that person interacts with coworkers is really the chemistry that makes or breaks a business. So if if I get down to where I have two or three candidates that I think are pretty close in my mind, I will let them, the staff, um, do the last round of interviews. And typically they're right. As a matter of fact, the only time I went against their recommendation and hired a different person, um, I wound up having to terminate that person. So oh, really? they were right. So and they were I was like wrong. 100% <laughs> so accurate. far. Yep. Really? They're pretty good so oh, far. That is, and it's a testament to that mindset that you have going into that as our workplace environment is very fun. We get a lot of work done, but it's, you can have a conversation with any one of the coworkers about almost anything and some of the topics we talk about on a day-to-day basis are just completely out there (laughs) but it's a fun group and I know maybe not at the time this gets posted but right now we just recently hired someone new and it was like the initial thought was she's going to be great and she's going to fit in because that's just people that Don hires work and they work with both on the business side of things and on the personal and inner office connection side of things we hope so I mean we spend the majority of our life with the people we work with so if we can all have like you said, have fun and exactly. still work hard. Um, it should turn out good for everybody, yeah. especially our clients. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. So we've about come to that time where we got to pack it up and get back to work instead of having fun. <laughs> Do you have a, a concluding thought, a last minute thought that you want to share with anybody? Something we maybe didn't touch on, or something that you feel needs to be shared with the public? I think um, the only thing I would say, and we kind of touched on this a little earlier, is you get out of it what you put into it. And so I think that, you know, I I was just at my dentist yesterday and he was telling me that his son graduates today from the University of Lincoln with a biology degree and he has no idea what he's going to do. He has made no preparation or even thought about getting a job. And I think that we all need to learn that we're responsible for ourselves and that if we put in good work and we try hard, that that's what makes a good life instead of waiting for someone to come to you and fix things for you you're really the person that's in control of your your life and your destiny and it's up to you to make things work not someone else to make things work for you yeah which is essentially boils down to just take initiative and and go get go get after what you want to get done absolutely don't let anyone tell you you can't and and go do it very cool i guess my concluding thought um would be a thank you to don and midwest marketing for giving me a job opportunity Um, It's been great. I've been here for six months at the time of this recording. Hopefully it's many, many more by the time it gets posted. Um, But it's been a great opportunity. Like I said, we talked about that. It's it's very difficult to find jobs. And the fact to be able to work in this environment um, has just been absolutely a dream come true. You have been a wonderful addition and it's fun watching you grow. And I look forward to that for many years. Well, thank you very much.
Awesome, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.